B-Pod Studios. The best show ever on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Best show ever, 610-632-0975. What are they seriously? 3 o'clock hour. Brought to you by Corpolis Bakery and Deli. World-famous tomato pie and hoagie party trays. Every bit as good. Joining us for the entire 3 o'clock hour. Talking about all the stuff that's going on with the Eagles. Is one Tim McManus. He's brought to us by. That's my cue, isn't it? That would be Gary Barbera's Dallas Sucks Bus. Birds coach Nick picks Gary Barbera's Jeep Sheep up to 15% off. Visit DallasSucksBus.com. Is Barbera the best boy? I guess. What's going on, Tim? What's going on, guys? How are we doing today? Doing all right. Before we get into some of this Eagle stuff, you've been here in this city for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you went to what, LaSalle High School? That's right. Yeah, so you've been here. We're, we're, we have this, quest, uh, this question where if you're a Philadelphia fan, um, a sports fan versus somebody who's a, a music fan or a book or a movie buff or whatever. Your return on investment. Do you think overall as a fan, do fans get back equal or more in Philadelphia than they put in? Definitely not. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Right? I mean... But that's not to say it's not worth it. I think maybe that's the two different things. Okay, why is it, would it still be worth it? Well, because it, it helps like forge your entire identity to a sense in this in this city. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're out, uh, when you're out with your with your friends, right? If you're out having a pop or playing around the golf or whatever it is, like what yeah. are you, what are you talking about? Talking about sports. A lot of times you're t- you're talking about sports, like a lot of like your your leisure time and conversation and bonding, like with your family and with your friends and with your coworkers and all that stuff comes through the thread of sports. But if you're just trying to weigh it on the energy that and the emotion that I'm putting in versus the amount that those teams reciprocate, especially in terms of like championships, obviously the scales are going to be way imbalanced. Uh, And all of us carry those scars. Like my first one, 93. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. And and I still carry that. Right. That was a long time ago. Uh, But I still remember exactly where I was standing. Like in my living room, in my house, I remember the angle at which I was standing at when Carter hit the hit the home run. And I still remember like the like the way that my stomach felt when that happened, how it just totally dropped out. And it's something that I still carry with me. But that does that's not to say that um, that you regret putting that investment in or that, you know, the the championships that did come down the pike weren't super sweet or those moments, um, you know, that that helped define a, an entire city isn't worth it ultimately. I got to ask you something. You've been around everywhere. You go everywhere. You've been in every city. You mm-hmm. know, the, I'm sure you've met a lot of the other fan bases. They're not like this. Not even close. I, and, I, and I'm talking all sports. This is, so, and this, like, I try to get this through to people, but it's the weirdest thing in the world that when you come to Philadelphia, it's not about, oh, we have the Liberty Bell. It's not about this. It's not about, no, it's about our sports teams. Isn't that strange, like, to you a little bit? Yeah, and it's, like, it's really strange when people from the outside observe it or when there's certain athletes that come in that aren't prepared or, you know, just don't vibe with with what's happening in Philadelphia. I would love your perspective on this, Ricky, because you've you've seen it. Like, you overlapped with with Scott Rowland, as an example. Right, right? I did, yeah. I mean, did did you ever feel that? With, from with him or guys, from other guys? Uh, certain guys you could tell did not 
I wouldn't say they didn't want to play here. They didn't want to fail here. Mm. And, and I think that's that would be the case with a lot of guys. They didn't understand what would happen if they started to fail here. Because back then, you fail one game, you're getting booed off the field. Now the fans have changed. They're a little soft, like the Philly fans. I think they're, they've gotten a lot softer. Given outstanding ovations and yeah, such. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen that. Never even. I mean, that, that to me is like very foreign to me. So I can't even get into that. But I never had a problem with it because I grew up in the, in the Northeast. I grew up in Connecticut. So we have those New York fans, Boston fans, kind of the same as here. Yeah. yeah. Where everything they breathe is about their teams. Yeah. And you can see that like in the Eagles locker room. That's that's my existence, right? That's what I see. And there's there's definitely athletes that come into this town and are immediately turned off. They don't get it. Like they they don't understand why the intensity is as high as it is, why they get crushed as much as they do. And and they they close off. Uh and they want out. And that's that's definitely a thing. And then like from a media perspective, the story that always sticks out to me is we so we were at the owners meetings. It was in 2015. So it was the year that Jeffrey Lurie gave all the control to, to Chip Kelly. Mm. Right. And there was like a lot that happened that that offseason. He got rid of Deshaun Jackson and LaShawn McCoy. And it was like all this stuff was happening. And the Philly media was like frothing. But the but the environment was in in Phoenix at this beautiful resort where everything is just so chill. And then you have the media. And I still remember Peter King walking by us. And we had like a we had a group of like, you know, 25 to 30 Philadelphia media members that had Jeffrey Lurie pinned in a corner of this of this uh, lot and just grilling them. And, and King even wrote about it in his Monday morning quarterback, like mm-hmm. these Philadelphia media, like, oh, my God. Uh, so yeah, from like the media to the to the fans and the way that players react to them, Philadelphia is a totally unique beast. Even I think relative to the, the other Northeast cities, and, and that brings us kind of full circle because now we have a guy who's from here, who apparently loves Philadelphia. First story, and I and I trust everybody's reporting. I believe when when things people are saying, I think they're telling the truth. It was. The Eagles and Hassan Reddick have mutually decided for him to go out there and see if he could uh, look for a trade. Then Hassan Reddick waits a little while, and he comes out forcefully and says, nope, I didn't ask for a trade. I want to be here. This is home. I love it here. I've had two of my best years here. My the most fun time playing football was all here. Help us weave and find the truth here, Tim. Yeah. So so the initial reporting was that he had been granted permission yeah. to seek a trade. And then Reddick came out and said, I did not demand a trade. So those can be those can both exist. You can you can be granted permission and also not demanding your way out of town. Mm-hmm. So I mean I think we just let the you know, we follow the facts here. And the facts are that Reddick uh, has been underpaid and believes he's been underpaid. For the better part of a year, it was last off season where he expressed it without being in a like a a, a, a boat rocking way. Mm-hmm. It was basically in a yeah. I mean, you guys all see it. Like I'm underpaid, and then and if you look at the way that edge rushers are paid in the league, he's getting 15 million dollars a year on average. The top guy right now, Bosa, is getting paid 34 million dollars on average. Okay, there are 12 <laughs> edge rushers that are making north of 20 million dollars per year. And Reddick, who has had double-digit sacks in four straight seasons, is getting paid $15 million a year. And the Eagles, to this point, haven't been willing to up that ante. 
to keep him satisfied. And so now it's at a point where they've given him permission to go out and look and see if there's another team out there that, number one, is going to be willing to give up the type of compensation that's going to make the Eagles happy. And then number two, are going to be willing to give Reddick that contract extension that he's looking for. And if that exists, if that's out there, he's gone. If it doesn't, then he comes back to the table and it gives the Eagles leverage. So I can see why the Eagles would put that out there. And I can also, by saying, go ahead and go ahead and, and check check it out, see what the market bears. And I can also see why, why Reddick... Uh, would be like, hey, I'm not trying to push my way out of town here. It's a, it's a business after all. So the Eagles go and do this. Now, what, what do you put a percentage on that he's back? Yeah, that's a great question because I can it's see It's got to be fairly low, am I right? I don't know. I mean, edge rushers are like a premium position. Right. So, like, there's some, some guys that could go out there and they're older. Like, it happened with Slay last year where he was like, I'm kind of unhappy. All right, go out and see what you, you, you can get. The market wasn't great. He ends up back in Philly. So that scenario is possible. But with edge rushers, like, you know there's teams out there that are desperate to improve their pass rush, right? True. There's a lot of teams that are, that are looking to get better in that area. And he has proven that he can be as productive as just about anybody else on planet Earth when it comes to sacking the quarterback right now. Which which means that I it's it's not a zero percent chance for sure that he that he moves on. I mean, you open up that possibility, and it only takes one team to say, "Yeah, that's cool." Like I'll give a, a second round plus for Hassan Reddick. I'll pay him, you know, let's call it twenty million dollars. You got it. Well, and my other part about this that kind of troubles me. You can answer this on the other side. If the Eagles really, really loved what he was doing. Couldn't they, you can answer on the side, just work out a deal? Because I see a defense in the back seven that lacks talent. And now if he was to go, now maybe they'll end up drafting somebody, or maybe they would then be less talented in the front four in addition to not having a lot of talent in the, in the, in the back seven. So on the other side, why would, after, after seeing him perform for two years at the level that he has, is there any reluctance from the Eagles to cut the check? You can answer that on the other side. Tim McManus will be with us for the entire hour here on 97.5 The Fanatic, NBC Sports, Philadelphia. The best show ever on 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic, NBC Sports Philadelphia, best show ever, 610-632-0975. What are they seriously? To McManus is saying, yes, sometimes we don't get the ROI, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it in addition to talking about the Eagles all day. Obviously, Tim covers the Eagles for ESPN.com and 97.5 The Fanatic. Before the break, I said, well, I understand the Eagles are going to go see the market get set and see if they can work it out or work out a trade, but... We're talking about a player with four straight years with double-digit sacks, as you said. He won't be 30 until September. 
Last year, I think some of the production went down due to all of a sudden he wasn't rushing the passer and was dropping back in coverage and doing a bunch of stuff when, when the defense became a mess. So why wouldn't any, and you know the positional importance, why didn't the Eagles just go, all right, maybe we thought the first year was fluky, whatever it might be, but he did it again. Why aren't they, being that he's not old and he is productive, why aren't they just making him happy and not playing the game of doing all of this? Because it seems to me like he's a type guy that should be a kind of a no-brainer to sign and make happy. And he's a hometown guy. Yeah. And I would say that he handled the situation last year, at least publicly, admirably. And the fact that he got a lot of opportunities to vent. Like, you know, media was circling. Yes. Okay, media was circling. And they were trying, they because they knew that there was something there. There's a story there. He's not happy with his contract. And so there was a lot of effort to, like, when he did talk, you know, there was definitely opportunities that were presented by the media to be like, look, like, about how he's happy and, and things of that nature. And, and from the start of the year all the way to after that loss in the wild card game against Tampa, he was very professional about it, uh, saying, like, you know, every time I get a chance to put on an Eagles uniform, I cherish that opportunity. Somebody that grew up idolizing that franchise now getting to play for him. And he's had the production behind it. I mean, if you not just 16 sacks last year, but then three and a half in the postseason. He almost got to the, to the big 2-0 for that whole year yeah. and, you know, wrecked the game against San Francisco, getting them to the Super Bowl. So this is somebody that's been really productive for you. The answer as to why they are this hesitant to pay him is a bit of a mystery. I mean, obviously they have put down a valuation of where they feel like Reddick is uh, versus where he wants to get to. And there's a disagreement on that right now. And they've stayed pretty firm to that valuation. But I think it, it brings up like this, this whole other big picture question. Because when I look at the roster and what's happening right now, there's a chance that Hassan Reddick is, is gone from this team. There's a chance that Fletcher Cox is gone from this team. There's a chance that Jason Kelsey is also moving on. And when I look at those three players... I would say that all of them were in the top five of most productive players in 2023. Oh, yeah. Three of them might be gone. Arguably, your two best players on defense, which was a bad defense, but your two bright spots, along with probably Darius Slay, might be off of the roster, which begs the question, like, what are they doing? That, that, that is my biggest concern. I brought this the other day. When they were healthy last year, Tyrone and I would look at it and say, okay, the front four. And then you have seven possible holes to fill. Now you're going to go with eight possible holes to fill. And, and my thing that my first thought was, are they digging a hole that's too big to get out of? In a year. Yeah, one year. Because you kept, and we, we also say that with the backdrop of, you could have parted with Sirianni and kind of started anew. And you reset a clock a bit with fans when you start anew. And he goes, you know what? We got a lot of guys. This is going to be a young group. By keeping Sirianni, expectations are to a lot of fans that this was a blip. These new coordinators will fix it. They're back in the mix with the 49ers and the Chiefs next year. Well, how the hell are you going to do that with Kelsey you can't control? Cox you may not be able to control. If they both retire, they both retire. Reddick is completely controllable. And then... Am I then to believe, because Adam Schefter was on the John Kincaid show earlier this week, and he said that 
that he's hearing from Howie, according to him, that they believe young guys are going to have to be the ones that step forward. So am I to feel comfortable in the event that they get a third-round pick for Hassan Reddick and he goes elsewhere? So now you'll have a first, two twos, and two threes. So you'll have a nice little draft haul that Nolan Smith is now ready to step in for Reddick and come even in the vicinity of that kind of production? Now, did he show any evidence last year that Nolan – did Nolan Smith show any evidence no. that he's ready to do that? Not yet, no. I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything. I never kick a rookie when he – like, but I'm saying based on my eyeballs, absolutely not. Right. So now you – now there's still a lot of offseason to go. Yes. There's free agency. There's draft. And so the way that we view this roster is going to be different than the way that we're, we're viewing it now. But to that larger point, you, know, you don't bring back Nick Sirianni if you're in a rebuild year. Right. So they obviously are signaling that they feel like they can go for it this year. Uh, and yet, the key, a lot of the key pieces are possibly getting removed from the equation. And you can only do so much in the draft and free agency to replenish. Not to mention the fact that these are new schemes that are getting installed. So new players new schemes, getting everybody up to speed in a prove-it year for Sirianni. Like, I'm still trying to figure out, understanding that the roster is going to look different, but still trying to figure out, like, what is their plan of attack here and how are they going to get from where they are now, removing pieces, key pieces, and getting to that place where they're competing for a Super Bowl. One other thing, you look at the playoff teams. All these teams had really good linebackers and fast linebackers. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I think I think every other playoff team did as I looked down at it. Now, does Howie have to take that into consideration? When he's when he's when he's putting things into priorities, where is he putting these linebackers? Last. That is all, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that to me is to a terrible that. move. But last a, year they were 32nd. Now, he's not always that low, but they were 32nd in invest, linebacker money investment last year. They're yeah, almost 32nd. always right there. Yeah, yeah they're, they're always, they're always like in the 30s. 20, yeah, 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 29, 30, 31. Yeah. So, I don't know. I see that position getting faster and faster and faster, and then I see Cunningham and Morrow. It was fast I mean, when it was Edwards and Kaiser White. They, they were, were good. Fast. Yeah. They were pretty fast then. Yeah, so uh, so I'll say last and believe that, but still thinking that he's going to do more. You're than hoping he did, than That's, he did that last. sounds like a hope. Yeah, I mean, well, I feel like he regrets the way that he handled it last season. I think you know the T.J. Edwards well, actually, Tim, non-decision. Cunningham, was Cunningham really, had a Cunningham great. Was I know. Great. You asked the question. Cunningham was really good. Hey, sorry. He, <laughs> yeah, he was posturing about about stuff like, like Zach Cunningham, and of course we want like we don't. We, there's this misperception that we want to have bad players at linebackers, or however he framed it. I don't think anybody thinks of it like that. No, everybody knows he doesn't want to, but it's like where are you investing the resources? And and that shows you very clearly, not by what they say, but what they do, that they put linebacker as very last on the pecking order of things that they care about defensively. And it keeps showing up and showing up and showing up. And sometimes the overriding philosophy and the and the premium positions performing the way that they're supposed to makes up for that and makes the whole plan look really good. There's other times where you take it to this large extreme and all of a sudden your linebackers just can't play. Like, you know, you swing right. and you miss. And then now you've got nothing, and you're bringing in Miles Jack and, and Zach Cunningham, one of the guys who was working, thinking about working as a plumber and ended up right. retiring on you, and the other guy <laughs> who ends up being your best linebacker. Uh, you know, so you kind of you get what you pay for. I think that, I think that he's going to do more at linebacker this year, but I still think if we're look, like 
did this fundamentally change how he looks at the position? I don't think so. All right. So let's briefly look at the offense before we have to go back to the defense because we're going to have to talk about the back seven because mm-hmm. that's also a, a concern. But Kelsey, by all intentions, um, apparently out at the Super Bowl, he was meeting with every media, whether it was ESPN, Fox, NBC, apparently he met with to uh, do some of that pro football focused stuff, and Amazon. So he's looks like he's setting up, and he had also done seminars in previous off-seasons. He's setting up to go work in the media. So I, I don't think he's doing all those meetings to come play for the Eagles. I think he, what he said to his teammates was true. He's going to retire. Jurgens moves over to center. Fine. I'm not going to expect him to be as good as Kelsey. That's unfair. But he was drafted to be a center. He seems like he's a good football player. I'll check that one off. Dickerson's an excellent football player at left guard. Malata has proven to be a solid left tackle. Lane Johnson, trust him at right tackle. He says he has two more years left. I'll trust that guy. He can play as far as I'm concerned as long as he wants. Right guard. Because one of the reasons why we liked this team so much on offense wasn't just the weapons. It was that offensive front. They had like three holding penalties all year. Like They did a lot of good things even last year as an offensive line unit. Steen, by the end of the year, wasn't even dressing. So how much of a priority does right guard have to be for Howie with the allotment of money or draft picks? Because just like we can't just trust Nolan Smith's ready to step in for Reddick, I can't just round off and go, well, Steen will be a great right guard when they didn't even trust him to dress down the stretch of the season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would expect them to make a Brandon Brooks-like investment in right guard. I don't know if that – if that, yeah. yeah, I don't know if that guard is, is okay. out there for them. All right. But uh, they're going to obviously have to, you know, fill in some spots, take some shots that Stoutland can, can work with uh, to, to find some guys that are moldable and maybe can get the job done. Like, they were high on Steen – coming into that year and if you guys remember like he was in the he was in the mix to start at that right guard spot with Cam Jurgens they they built that up to be a competition yeah. that just never manifested and uh and they continued to be high on him but but to your point Ty then all of a sudden it was like he couldn't even dress so he does Howie go right back after that again this year? I think well, I think that you have to take some shots because guys like Jack Driscoll, free agent, uh, maybe Suo Peta is the answer. Maybe you, you pay him a little bit, uh, but I think that you have to you have to fill that in. Uh, take take some shots, make it a priority. Maybe it's not like you're spending a ton of money. Yeah. But just make sure that you're addressing it so that so that you're solid all the way up front. Because not only are you losing, you know, your right guard, but if you end up losing your center. The ripple effect of that is absolutely massive. I mean, forget like just how he does his job individually from from blocking, getting out in space, paving ways for people. Forget the fact that he has been a culture setter and a culture maintainer uh, for all of his years here in Philadelphia. But like kind of maybe an undertold part is how easy he makes things for quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, He can see things pre-snap that basically nobody else at his position can see at the level that he sees it. So he makes things much easier uh, when he gets up there. Like he, he analyzes it in real time, sees what's happening, signals to the quarterback. So now the quarterback knows what's coming and when and from where. And for Jalen Hurts and all the other quarterbacks that have operated behind Jason Kelsey, it's been a luxury. And while Cam Jurgens is a really good player, we think he's going to be a really good player. It's really hard to be Jason Kelsey. Nobody else is. To be and, a Hall of Famer, the best center in the game for a decade, yeah. it's hard to say, Jurgens, you have to be that. If you're not the best center, 
you like it, it's hard to do that to him. Right. It's and Kelsey, yeah, Kelsey yeah. can make his right guard better. He can make his left guard better. He can make his tackles better. He can make the right. whole operation better. Right. So you don't want that weakness at one of the spots as, as Cam Jurgens in theory, is going to be taken over this spot. Right. So that's my concern about right guard. Just as I trust three of them to hold the other three to hold their own. The right guard has to be a kind of difference maker on his own to make up for that loss. So we got one more segment. Long segment is good with Tim. We got to talk about that back seven. And then Jalen Hurts, who participated in the Pro Bowl and seemed like he was having fun, yet there's still conspiracy theories about his knee, that it was more than a bone bruise, and there's stuff to talk about with him as well. All coming up here on 97.5 The Fanatic, NBC Sports, Philadelphia. The best show ever on 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. 97.5 The Fanatic. Seven five the fanatic NBC Sports Philadelphia best show ever six one zero six three two zero nine seven five what a day seriously we got Tim McManus for the rest of the hour Jen is the Twitter poll still up it is indeed it is brought to you by Doctor Avi Donapel of Iron Mountain Men's Health let's see how the fans feel about how the Phillies are going to do this year because we said today Tim that we're going to go work the show the rest of the year based on what the fans say about the Eagles' expectations so whatever they say. That's what we're going to go by all year long. What are the current numbers, Jen? All right. What are your expectations for the Phillies this season? A wild card sitting at 10.3%. Okay. DS at 10.5%. CS at 176 And the World Series at 61.6%. So 61.6%. So that means we're going to work off the premise all season that the Phillies have to make the World Series. Yes, sir. Because it's going to be based on the people. This is going to be beautiful. We said that because some fans told us that we were too cruel not being okay with them losing games six and seven at home and their top guys going three for 39. That made me really happy when I heard those poll results for some reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's where I'm at. That's, now we that's can where go I after cast them. my vote. Why not? Right. Let's have the expectations. See, our on. votes were actually NLCS. Yeah, because of the Dodgers and Dodgers, the Braves. Braves. Yeah, that's very reasonable. But we'll take it. We're going to go with whatever the people go with. They go now, to the World Series, then... All right, his team gets treated like they're favored to win the World Series. There it is. So, Tim, the back seven on the defense before we get to the quarterback. Here are, are some of the concerns. We don't know yet if N'Kobe Dean can play, and we have no idea who may play next to N'Kobe Dean. Slay was good, but he's an older player. Uh, Bradbury had a very poor year. Maddox seems to be getting hurt every single season. Um, Blankenship has had a, a, some injuries himself, and – did not distinguish himself as a difference maker. Not a bad football player, but has not shown to be a difference maker. Sidney Brown, who started to show some signs late, ends up with the knee injury, and the odds are he won't be able to start the season at 100%. I know that's his goal, but a December ACL, it's hard to tell. And Bayer won't be back. So at that point, that seems like a lot of question marks in the back seven. Now, if we give you Ringo... I, I'm fine with that. 
how in one offseason, I know they have free agency and the draft, can they fill what seems like maybe seven holes, maybe if we're being generous, five? I don't think they can. You know, I don't I don't think they can do it. Uh, when I look at the, the big picture of the defense, like who are the pillars? And if you remove Reddick and Cox, really, who are the who are the pillars of this defense? Like, who are you leaning on? You know, where is your bread buttered? The front three, maybe. But then, I mean, but, you're, I mean you're talking about now. you're talking about Jordan Davis. You're talking about Jalen Carter and Sweat. And those guys both fell off a cliff. Let's call it yep. what it was. They yep. they both started off really strong, and they both faded in a in a pretty drastic fashion. And then Sweat. Actually, you could say the same thing. Like, yep. his his production went way down. I mean, you said they faded. I'm going to ask an odd question. Do you think that's physically, or do you think that's teams changed what they were doing up front against them? Yeah, I think um, a, cu- a couple of hints along the way. One thing is uh, Fletcher Cox at the, the end of season press conference that he said, I, I asked him what's the key for those two moving forward, and he said, first thing is make sure that you're in shape at OTAs and that you're not behind the eight ball. So if I look at that, it's like, is he is he insinuating that they weren't in shape as yeah. much as they needed to be yeah. at the very start of the season? We know that Jalen Carter had a, uh, extenuating circumstances. Uh, Jordan Davis, that has been something that he's had to work through for, for his young career and things of that nature. So I think that's, you know, that's the major breadcrumb that I'm looking at is that it was more like a physical wear down for these guys that they have to get corrected and make sure that it's not a pattern, but there's no backup plan for those guys right now. Like if, if Cox is removed from the equation, you're really relying on those two guys to like, they're absolutely going to come into their own and guide, guide this kind of newfangled defense. And then Nolan Smith is going to be your dude. Uh, that's, that's going to be coming off the edge as the replacement for Hassan Reddick. Um, you know, there's a lot of question marks that come with that. And my, my concern with that is, Carter, I can if, – if someone t- had a crystal ball and said, you know what, last season it was the stress of the, unti- uh, the death from the fast driving and the blah, 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 and this year he'll be in shape, I could buy that. Davis did not have a quote-unquote excuse to not be in shape. And he didn't have any extenuating surface. He just was living his life and for whatever reason appears that and, – and the problem is they're, they're starting to be the whispers. Now, I never know if the whispers are true or not. Sometimes the whispers are unfair. Sometimes the whispers, whispers are fair. They're, but now there's the whispers that he's a guy who cares more about the food than the workouts. That's the thing that's a little out there. Yeah, I don't think that's right. And you think that's I don't incorrect. think that's right. I, okay. think, I think that's incorrect. But the, the second part uh, of what I picked up on, Ricky, this, this uh, offseason or at the, the tail end of, of this season is Brandon Graham said, suggested that Davis and Carter let the outside noise get to them. Mm. Um, going back to how much Philadelphians care, uh, the amount of noise that there was surrounding this team, he, he suggested that that was something that they were picking up on and, and don't worry about that. And if you do something in the playoffs, then everything else gets erased. And that's how he was trying to guide them. So I think those were the two reasons that that, that was happening. Uh, but to your question of, for, the, for the back end now, I mean, Slay is – Obviously, north of thirty, but he was and, good. But, but he, he was he was good. But at, yeah. at some point, it drops off. We mm-hmm. saw at Bradbury. At some point, it can drop off precipitously, yes. and it just like it happens, yep. and you can't really play near the level that you were at. You're still on the hook with Bradbury contractually, where if you cut him, it's like what eighteen million dollars of dead money yeah. somewhere in there, and you got one answer. Uh, you would think at you know, at safety and Blankenship 
But opposite that, you don't know. Sidney Brown coming off a torn Achilles now, and there's just not a whole lot of answers. So, you know, they're going to have – right now they have about $20 million in cap space. And if they get rid of Bayard, that opens up another, let's call it like 13 or yeah. something like that. So yeah. they're going to be like a little bit north of 30 in cap cap dollars. So it's not like they can't make moves. And then if they have a little bit of relief from Hassan Reddick, something like that, maybe they freeze him up a little bit more. You also have a pending deal possibly with Devontae Smith. Yes. He's due. Landon Dickerson is going to be due. You know, Jalen Hurts' money is going to be kicking in pretty soon, like the big dollars. And so you can't really go crazy, which is to say like, yeah, can you make a couple moves in the draft and, you know, maybe a, a splash in free agency? You could do that. But your your hands uh, are somewhat tied when it are comes to Are we talking like one-year deals? Can they not go over the one-year deals because of the kicking in contract of the quarterback? I mean, I kind of feel like they can do a big contract, like multi-year, one. maybe two. Um, we're talking for the whole team, and then then you kind of fill oh, it which in. includes the players one. that are there all. Well, no, I mean free agents. So okay, I think they okay. could do one or two, you know, significant, maybe one significant deal, and then the other ones mid level to one year. Well, so, you say one significant. What would be your position for that? Mm. Would it be what, sign a corner, draft a corner, and then have Ringo? Yeah, I feel like Roseman is going to get really creative this off season. Okay. I feel like big things are coming. Make me feel better. Like I, I think that the one avenue that he explores almost as much as any other GM now that Belichick is out more than any other GM is trades. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think he's gonna he's gonna look for trades, whether that's for a corner or safety. I could see that. And, I could I could see that happening. I, I buy that. His in l- lately his in season trades have not worked as well, but. The trade for uh, Swift was a very good one last year that a lot of us didn't necessarily see coming because, like, things are happening. And we're like, huh, what are they going to do? And they kept talking about how much they liked Gainwell, and then Swift came. So that it makes sense because I think his offseason move trades lately have been better than the in-season, going back to even, like, what, Golden Tate and, and different stuff. Yeah, because for every, like, Hassan Reddick, there's somebody else that is in a, a similar position right. uh, along the, around the league where it's like they just can't get there with their current team. Yeah. Maybe they're not totally happy in that situation financially or whatever it may be. And that's kind of like, all right, well, you know, maybe I can offer, offer you this. So I feel like that's what it's going to take because we're trying to piece this all together, right? We're, we, all, we all recognize that this isn't a rebuild year. And yet the pieces right now, it's like it's very hard to get there of like, what are they thinking? The only thing that really where I could see it happening is if if Roseman gets super creative with the way that he reconstructs this roster uh, to a point where, you know, all of a sudden now you got a star cornerback uh, that is that is in the mix. You get, you know, a stud safety, something like that, Mm -hmm. that makes you think, okay, now I'm starting to see uh, where the vision is. Yeah, the athletes. There was, they just didn't seem like they had a lot of athletes on the defensive side of the ball when other teams, all of them did. And you saw the Chiefs and the 49ers had a ton of athletes. Now the quarterback. We're going to save, I guess, the best for last. So we have acknowledged the issues with the coaching. Uh, Nick Sirianni will no longer be in charge of the offense. We'll see how that goes, but at least that's the word right now. So we acknowledge that Jalen Hurts was absolutely hurt partially by coaching. So that and that's not like a comma, that's period. At the same time, there were certain things where it seemed like he regressed some for the first time, maybe since high school. Cause even like at, at Alabama, when he wasn't the starter anymore, Tua gets a uh, ankle injury, 
he steps in and wins the damn SEC championship game. Like, the dude in Oklahoma, like, he's all he's seen until last year. And obviously, they say, like, you know, success isn't a straight line. Maybe it was a necessary blip, whatever it is. But his offensive line is likely not going to be improved going into next year. Losing <laughs> Jason Kelsey, like, there's probably no way for the offensive line to be better. His weapons will be, it appears, roughly the same because you're mentioning a lot of money. I don't know if slot wide receiver is going to be a big slot where he spends a bunch of money, for example, Howie Roseman. Um, so how much pressure is there on Jalen Hurts to be better, one, as a leader, due to the lack of leadership, the leadership that's being lost in the locker room, which that void's going to be there and he's the highest paid player, and also as a quarterback continuing to get better because they say when you pay the quarterback, and Mahomes is maybe the ultimate example, he had basically no wide receivers this year. Yet in the big moments, it was on him, and he found a way. I'm not asking Hurst to be Mahomes, but at the same time, like, you kind of have to be the guy where when all else is failing, you're the reason we're winning. And he wasn't really that answer. He wasn't the answer down the stretch. So with all of that going on, new coaching, new offensive line, new a lot, how much pressure's on him? I mean, it's all about the quarterback. We know that. And there's been a lot of like hair pulling over the Super Bowl and yeah. did Shanahan do the right thing in overtime? And, and really the common denominator in the last two Super Bowls has been Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like You give that guy the ball. He's absolutely special. And he can crush your dreams and your hopes, right? He did it to the city of Philadelphia. And then he did it to San Francisco. Um, if you're looking for a bright spot, Jalen Hurts almost toppled that dude. He did. He came really close, like really a, close. You know, a James Bradbury handful of a jersey close to toppling Patrick Mahomes on the biggest stage. And that was the best game that, that Jalen Hurts has ever played. So no. I'm, th- I'm guessing some people were having that thought as they're watching the Super Bowl, as much as this, this season went backwards on them, that there is a scenario in which Hurts kind of elevates again and becomes one of the best QBs in the NFL. And you can paint the case that now that he has uh, an offensive coordinator who's got a proven system that may, he can get off the mat uh, now, now that he has better answers that the coaches are giving him. It was also a little bit weird, um, you know, the, the whole Pro Bowl stuff. And we've heard various reports about how the Eagles want him to be a little bit of a different leader, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more um, less isolated and more out there and uh, adjusting to the situation. There was an NFL Network report that said that they wanted to see some of that at the Pro Bowl. And so, I don't know, like you saw him, you saw him out there and it looked like he was more jovial yeah. and, and that kind of thing. And it's like, is that is that forced? Is that real? Like it's it's an odd dynamic of like you you want a guy to to develop and mature as a leader but you don't want to make him something that he's not right yeah i i understand scott Rowland, perfect example same same type of guy same type of situation he just didn't want to be i mean i think jalen wants to be a leader but he wants to be his own way of a leader and when you try to tell somebody to change it never ends up it never ends up well. Yeah. So I thought that was a little that was a little bit strange. Um, so he's need he needs to find he needs to find his groove, right? Yeah. As a as a leader, he needs to get it back as a quarterback, and he needs to find it or rediscover it as a leader. I mean, this is a a unique situation because you know some of the foundation pieces of this organization are probably going to be moving on, yeah. and there's a big old void. Uh, that everybody's going to be looking at number one, and they're going to be like that. It's it's you. It's 
It's it's your show now. Um, when that happened with Wentz, he never really filled it. People weren't never totally felt it, and the op- and it's kind of history is repeating in a certain way. It's maybe the ebbs and flows of once you become a franchise quarterback of what gets expected of you and how you get elevated up. So now he's center of the circle. And, you know, how he fills that is going to determine, you know, whether they get back to that showdown with the Chiefs. Is the whole thing of Kellen Moore coming in here? Obviously, he likes to throw the ball. I mean, is that benefit Jalen or, I I mean, see, that's where I'm a little confused right now. He does put the ball in the best player's hand. All the time. I mean, I heard C.D. Lamb at the Pro Bowl say, oh, the Eagles receivers are going to be happy as could be because that's all he does is pass, pass, pass. Yeah, he's not known as a as a running yeah, no, coordinator, and so, so probably we won't be seeing DeAndre Swift yeah, anymore. But there's definitely people around Hertz that that believe he needs to be more empowered. I think that's fair to say yeah. that they look at it and say, you know, he give him give him more, yeah, like, put more yeah. on his plate. Let it let him take over like some of some other quarterback greats have taken over. Let yeah. him make the decisions. That yeah, you know, we just saw it in the Super Bowl. They tried running in the first half up until two minutes left in that first half. They tried to run the ball. Yeah, they did. From two minutes left to the first half to the end of the game, he threw it what forty six times. Like they started running the ball, <laughs> he threw it forty six times with no receivers. See, I'm a he's firm believer receivers. that brings his running game back into it he, too. But he's got he's got receivers. Like, see, I understand the Philadelphia thing of run, run. I get it. If my best player is my quarterback and my te- my best skill guys are my two wide receivers, I understand. I'll get to balance. I'll be smart at some point. But my game plan is I want the best player to have the ball and get it to those guys. On that fourth down play in the Super Bowl, there was no doubt from the Chiefs' perspective, he wasn't handing the ball off. Mahomes, go do it. He had some options on the play, but it was Mahomes' ball in those spots. That's what I mean. Like, that kind of pressure to me is not necessarily a bad thing. I just think it's going to be necessary because he's not going to be able to lean on some of the guys. No one's going to be able to lean on some of the guys they've been able to lean on the last couple of years. $255 million man. Hand him the keys. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you got to be 80% pass. Right. But but you, you put the control on Hurts. Right. Yeah. You you embolden him. You, you trust him in him to make the right decisions. And that doesn't mean you get away from the RPO game. It doesn't mean that you don't have games where it's beneficial for you to run the ball 30 times. But at some point, you're going to sink or swim with this quarterback. Right. And if you're hey, in the, in the four-minute drill, you're running out the clock by all means. But you probably passed to get that lead. You probably passed to get that lead, most likely. You came out early. You scored with your best player. And you iced it with everyone else. Yeah. And so this is going to be like the hyper definition of coach and quarterback. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's always comes down to the coach and quarterback. And this year, uh, there's going to be like the, the magnifying glass is going to be that much more centered right on those two positions. You know, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts. What do they do with the opportunity? Last thing. We just saw, a, a, you know, Shanahan's taking heat, but his team is pretty much there every year. Uh, Andy Reid. Getting get a lot of credit as a coach. You're around, you've been around Sirianni. You saw the good and you saw the bad. And you actually pretty early were maybe a believer, even when things weren't going well, because you, you, you were listening to the reaction from the players. You were saying the players reacted well to him before we knew about a, a, a quote-unquote track record. What are the odds that one year from now we're thinking of him more like Shanahan or Reed, not that he literally will have the resume, but or – more like we're thinking of him now. Because right now, the perception is at an all-time low for Nick Sirianni. 
Do you think a year from now we're thinking, you know what, he's closer to the elite, or will we still be thinking of him kind of the same way? Yeah, I think it goes back to the fact that I'm having a hard time picturing how they revamp between in less than a year's time and get back to this spot. How do the players learn new systems on both sides of the ball? How do they replenish and and reshuffle on the defensive side and get that thing to a championship caliber defense? Um, how do they how do they get Jalen Hurts, who has notoriously done better when he's got consistency from his play caller, adapt to a new one? And how do they adjust to Sirianni, who has less power than he did this time last year? How does that all equal back in the Super Bowl? Hard for me to picture right now. Hard for me to picture. And, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, too, like just being in this moment, recognizing that, you know, first wave of free agency and, and people are going to get geared up and they're going to yeah. be excited. Like, oh, man, they made this, this trade. They, they signed this player. Draft. Some some really intriguing guys and and some momentum starts to build, but from where I sit right now, it seems more likely that we're looking at Sirianni in a similar spot um, than than him being you know rising up to the yeah. levels of, of of Reed and Shanahan. All right, well Tim, listen, thank you for everything you did for us all hour. We really appreciate. It. We'll be talking soon because I'm sure as soon as you leave, there'll be something else. Oh, uh, this player turned out he's not happy or uh, something. It's going to be something. But we really appreciate it, Tim. Always something. Good spending time with you guys. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He was brought to us by today, Jen. Gary Barbera's Dallas Sucks Bus. Birds coach Nick picks Gary Barbera's Jeep's cheap up to 15% off. Visit DallasSucksBus.com. Is Barbera the best? Boy, I guess. 610-632-0975. We'll react to all the wisdom that Tim just bestowed upon us for the last hour. Get back to some of the other topics with the Phillies as well with spring training beginning here on 97.5 The Fanatic, NBC Sports, Philadelphia.